This episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast is brought to you by Cedic Run, the premier running store of Grand Forks. If you're looking to gear up for summer running, make sure SDR is your first stop. Richard and Adam will find you the perfect shoe and any other gear you need to make your summer training great. If you haven't checked out their new store yet, be sure to swing downtown and take a look. From apparel to nutrition, shoes to recovery equipment, they've got it all. And if you're looking for some great social opportunities this summer, try out the Thursday night rhombus run or walk each Thursday at 7 p.m. That's C-Dick Run, where life and running intersect. Ragnarok Athletic Club provides opportunities for athletes of all ages, events, and abilities to compete in the sport of track and field. If you're interested in competing in some summer USATF meets or just looking to get some more coaching in, Ragnarok Athletic Club is for you. Hop on their social medias, especially Instagram, to find more info. That's Ragnarok Athletic Club. And finally, thank you to Draymond Enterprises, Innovation Reimagined. Our first announcement in quite a while. We are very, very excited to announce that the Cedic Run Mile Extravaganza is back. After being canceled last June due to COVID, North Dakota's fastest mile is making a return. On June 4th, come out to Memorial Stadium on UND's campus in Grand Forks to run or spectate. Our goal, to record the fastest mile time ever on North Dakota soil. If you're a high school or college runner looking for one final fast race on the season, then you should sign up for one of our elite races. If you're a hobby jogger or a weekend warrior that wants to test out the wheels, we have opportunities for you to race in our community or open heats. And if you just want to watch some good track and field racing on a beautiful June evening, be sure to bring your lawn chair and come spectate. More information can be found on the Cedic Run or Prairie Track and Field Podcast social media pages. We look forward to seeing you on June 4th. On episode 22 of the podcast, Mike Backus, the state's triple jump record holder up until 2019, shares some incredible stories from his track and field career. He prepped at Red River and went on to the University of North Dakota, where he was an All-American. It's the events in between, however, that you'll want to hear. Mike was a junior in 1997, the year of the flood in Grand Forks. Cam and I really enjoyed getting to listen to that story as well as a lot of other events from Mike's career. We'd love getting to talk to some of the North Dakota track and field standouts of the past, and getting this opportunity to interview Mike was incredible. Thank you so much for listening. We have had so much fun recording this podcast. It's been such a blessing to sit down with Cam once a week and talk to some of the state's best, some of the standouts, some of the past legends, and just talk about something that we love, and we're glad that you love it too. If you want to support us, be sure to follow us on Instagram, like our page on Facebook, share our posts, spread the word, just tell your friends about it. We love it. We really, really do. And we're so happy that you're along for the ride. With that being said, however, enough about us. Let's dive into today's episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Ram. And today we are kicking it with one of the state's best jumpers. He prepped at Red River High School where he came out with a state title and the state meet record in the triple jump at 47 feet, seven and three quarters inches. He went on to the University of North Dakota where he was an All-American in the triple jump and had the record just until last season. Mike Backus, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. 
So tell us, where are you Zooming from today? Where are you interviewing from? Um, I'm at my house in Bismarck, North Dakota. So just trying to, I guess, keep track of kids now and run them all over the place, it seems like. Um, even with all the COVID stuff that's gone on, it seems like now they're even more busy than they were before all that. So, How many people are in your family? How many kids so, do you have? Uh, I'm married, been married for, oh, geez, almost – I'd say a little over 15 years, been together with my wife for over 20. Um, got two kids and two dogs. Actually just picked up our second dog last week. So just a brand new thing that's kind of running all over. So if you hear her yipping, that, that could be it. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dog? Uh, both of them are German short hairs. So hunting oh, dogs. Right on. I don't think I knew that you were a Bismarck guy. I talked to coach Baki quite a bit and like mm -hmm. he mentions your name, but I don't think I knew that you lived in Bismarck. Have you lived there since you graduated from UND or? No, I was, I was in central Minnesota for a while. Uh, I was there for about six, seven years and then moved out here um, for, for work. So been here since about 2008. So been here, been here quite a while. Um, yeah. Enjoy it. I think the real question then is where, where are your kids eventually going to go to school? What high school? So they'll be at uh, Bismarck Century. Nice. A lot of, lot of good track talent out of Bismarck Century. So, I mean, yep. all, any, any and all of the Bismarck schools, really. Yeah. And it's, so. it's kind of neat with, uh, with Bismarck Century anyway. So Brad Lease is the head coach there. Um, and basically had, had some history with him at Red River. Um, some throughout uh, UND in college as well. And then even post-college, uh, just kind of always been around with him too. So it's, it's kind of neat how that all works out. Yeah. Mike, there's, I, from mine and Ryan's perspective, there's always been like an East North Dakota, West North Dakota beef. Uh, so, I mean, you, you've had both sides of it now. Uh, do you have anything to, to say or contribute to, to that feud? Um, I, th I think that it, it seems like the West always feels like they have something to prove. Um, just trying to come in into the East and, and beat the East teams, what, no matter what the sport is, you know, whether it's football, hockey, track, you know, any of it, it, it seems like the West always, always has something to prove. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. Have you noticed that Bismarck people love the river too? Like in Eastern North Dakota, it's like, we go to the lakes, but in Bismarck, it's like, let's go hang out at the river. hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> Weird, weird stuff. Weird stuff for an yeah. Eastsider like me. But <laughs> anyway, let's kind of just start off with a question we ask pretty much every guest that's on the show is, how did you get started in track? Obviously, that's where you ended up being an All-American. But did you play a lot of sports growing up? Or were you just track right away? Or how did you get your introduction to sports and then specifically track? Um, yeah, growing up, I pretty much did everything. Uh, I played baseball, did uh, summer track, even I'm originally from central Minnesota. So I can remember as far back as I think it was probably second grade or third grade, uh, doing summer track meets, uh, in Sartell, Minnesota and, and playing baseball there, playing t-ball, just being out all the time. You know, we had a, had a Creek in the backyard. So instead of sitting inside, we'd always, we'd get up in the morning, go down to the, to the Creek and just walk up and down it and have our little adventures. And I guess from there, I mean, really it was, there was always something going on, you know, uh, as I got into school more, you know, I started playing flag football, started wrestling a little bit, played basketball, 
um, was doing track and uh, elementary cross country, things like that. So whenever there was an intramural season or, or any sort of sports season, I was always up for trying it. So um, pretty much involved in just about everything I possibly could. Um, then ultimately narrowed it down kind of to, to football, basketball, and track. Uh, with a little bit of baseball, I uh, decided, I think after eighth grade year, that I was going to just stop doing that and kind of concentrate on, on the regular sports and start training for them a little bit more. Um, and I went, went through late junior high and then high school uh, doing concentrating on those three, football, uh, basketball, and track. Uh, sophomore year of high school, I actually broke my leg in football, and that kind of took me out of basketball. And in that kind of non-season of basketball um, and, and the rehab with my broken leg, I really did a lot of work on, on, on strength, on speed, on things like really focusing with track. Um, so that, that's kind of how, how that became, I guess, the number one sport for me, uh, a little bit by default. Um, but you know what, with, with how everything ended up, I'll definitely take it. Um, and as far as sports go, just in general, my family uh, has always been, been pretty athletic. My dad was an All-American at Bemidji State. Uh, in track. So, so I was always exposed to it relatively young. Uh, my, one of my uncles was actually an Olympian on the 1992 Barcelona team. He was a shot putter. Um, so I had the opportunity to go to the Olympic trials in 1988 and 1992 and watch him do that. So, so getting to see some of these you know, very elite athletes actually compete, you know, like the Edwin Moses, Carl Lewis, mm -hmm. Flojo, Jackie Joyner, Kersey, Wow. Just all these people, like these big, big names in the history of track and actually getting to watch them run. And, and, and you, you can see them on TV, but then when you're, when you see it in person, it's just like, man, they're just so fast, even compared to the other fast people that are there too. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's just an, it's just an incredible thing to experience. Where were the trials in 88 and 92 when you got to go watch? In 88, they were in Indianapolis. And then in 92, they were in New Orleans. Interesting. Yeah, Which is so I, funny. Those are, those are two places now. I don't know if that was the last time those places held trials, but those <laughs> are places I don't think are on radars for U.S. championships anymore. No, probably not. Um, actually, I was doing some work for the, for the NCAA uh, as part of, my, part of the, the postgraduate scholarship committee. I was on the selection committee, and, and we'd, we'd meet three times a year, essentially for each season, uh, to pick the winners of, of the scholarships. And every time we would have two of the three in Indianapolis and it just happened on one of the, the meetings that they had. I don't remember if it was a, it was some outdoor championships. I don't think it, it wasn't the, the U S championships. I think it was a collegiate one, but it just happened to be at the same stadium where my uncle was throwing in the, the Olympic trial. So kind of going back there and, and it, I was only eight at the time. So being, being able to, be there and kind of be like, God, I, I really remember these, these small parts of it. And then kind of walk around and think, God, I, I remember being here and, you know, watching Edwin Moses run the 400 hurdles, or I remember kind of being over here and trying to watch my uncle throw for shot put and all these things. It, it was just really, really a surreal, surreal feeling. Yeah. Like that, that's such like a unique thing. Cause I mean, most any kid who is a fan of sports or participates in sports, you know, will at some point either go to an NFL game or an MLB game or one of the uh, NBA game, one of the major sports to see kind of their idols compete. But I don't 
I don't think hardly any track person, kid, high schooler, middle schooler who's into track, you know, gets the opportunity to see professional uh, track athletes compete, especially in this area. Um, yeah. What, what was kind of, I mean, obviously you talked about your uncle making the Olympic team, but what was maybe an event that you got to witness that really stuck out to you uh, as, as like a kid? Sure. Yeah. One of the big ones was in 1992 um, Reebok had, I think it was Reebok, either Reebok or Nike, I don't remember, but it was the big Dan and Dave uh, competition. Yeah. Reebok. Yeah. So I actually got to be there and, and watch that all happen. And it was really interesting in the buildup for it, right? Because it was always this big thing, you know, they're going to settle it in Barcelona and all that stuff. Well, uh, Dan O'Brien didn't make the Olympic team. So it, it was kind of one of those really weird things where it was this real huge buildup, but it didn't turn out any way that they thought it was going to. So being there to watch that, and at the, at the time I was only 12, so I, I didn't quite get it, but I was old enough to kind of understand that this wasn't the way that it was supposed to go. So, so it was really, it was really neat to be able to watch that happen in real time. And then kind of the aftermath of that too, and how they handled it. And I know, I remember there were some commercials Mm kind of with the two of them and, you know, Dave comforting Dan because he didn't make it, things like that. It was just kind of like, all right, I was there. I saw that happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For any, any listener that doesn't know, so the Dan, Dan and Dave, uh, Dave Johnson, Dan O'Brien were two decathletes. So this is my realm. And Reebok punched, just pumped in a bunch of money into this campaign. Both of them were shoe-ins, basically, to make the Olympic team. Dan O'Brien, no heights in the pole vault. And crazy story, we were traveling back from a meet a few years ago. I strike up a conversation with some random guy at the airport. And he was brothers with the guy that sneaked into the top three to make the Olympic team then since Dan O'Brien no heighted. So I don't remember the guy I talked to his name, his brother's name was Eric Long, ended up taking third place and ended up making the Olympic team based on Dan O'Brien's miss. So it's a, I think it's like a, one of the best marketing case studies out there. Cause here you bet on something that seems so sure it falls apart. And I don't know if Reebok lost money in the end, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know, especially with with Dan, I think Dan was always kind of rated as, as the better of the two all along. So that was the big shock was the, mm-hmm. the one who was, oh yeah, he's for sure going to be in versus the one who, you know, yeah, he's, he's probably going to make it, but may not. But Dan, mm-hmm. yeah, when he no heighted, that was, man, that was a really weird thing. And, and the whole stadium kind of, you could feel it was a weird energy in the stadium. So it was kind of neat to be around for that. Mm-hmm. And don't worry though, Dan O'Brien goes on, <laughs> sets the world record and wins gold at the 96 Olympics. Yeah, so. he did fine. <laughs> never, never give up yeah. kids. So Mike, when do you end up transferring from central Minnesota and Sartell to Grand Forks? When does your family make that move? So we made that move when I was about 10. So I think it was uh, right after fourth grade, between fourth and fifth grade. So uh, we did that, uh, moved up to Grand Forks and uh, it, it was I guess it was, it wasn't too bad for me. Um, cause really I was young enough, went into elementary school, um, basically first day at elementary school, made a whole bunch of friends and, you know, started hanging out with these guys and, uh, ultimately wound up meeting one of the guys who I was friends with all throughout high school and actually lived with him for a year in college. Uh, I met him probably one of the first days that I moved up to Grand Forks. So, 
it's kind of neat to, to have that history with him. Um, also a runner, Matt Limbach, uh, was a sprinter at Red River for, for quite a few years. Um, and I think he ran at UND uh, about a year or two. So I uh, met him and then, uh, yeah. So I think I say moved up there uh, right before fifth grade, lived there all the way through, through high school, uh, moved out of my parents' house and actually lived on campus at uh, UND uh, for the whole duration of that. So really, uh, even though I was from Grand Forks, got to have the whole college experience at UND, which, which was really nice. Um, I'd recommend that for, for just about any kid who is going to go to college in the same, same place where they went to high school. It's, it might as well have been 150, 200 miles away because it, it's just two different worlds, at least on campus for soft. We kind of can fast forward. Maybe like you start getting into high school, you would have been coached by the legendary Bob Zimney. Did you know triple jump was going to be the event or when you showed up as a freshman, were you trying a whole bunch of different things still? Um, well, as a, all, all the way through, like in, in junior high and, uh, in high school, I, I was always good at jumping. I could always jump really well. Um, I, I kind of found that out in basketball early on. I played center, but I was about six inches to a foot shorter than just about everybody else, but I could still jump higher than almost all of them. Uh-huh. Um, so originally I actually started high jumping and, and did a lot of that. Um, and just along with that, you know, you do long jump cause it's, you know, you're a jumper. So here you go high jump and then go long jump too. Um, and then, ultimately they didn't have triple jump for us until ninth grade, but I was doing enough high jumping and long jumping in, in junior high that, you know, Tim Delmore actually would come down and he would work with some of the junior high kids every now and then. And I got, got the chance to start working with him and, uh, worked with him on high jump, long jump. He said, Hey, you know, you should really try, try doing triple jump. And, uh, I, I actually knew about that. My dad was, a was a track coach in, at Forest Lake in Minnesota and actually coached a couple of uh, state placing triple jumpers there um, in the, I think it was in the early eighties or late eighties around there. So had, uh, had some, some history with that already kind of knew in general what it was, didn't really know how to do it. Um, but Delmore kind of just said, Hey, this, this could be something that you would be good at and, and started working with me. Um, and that was, that was just awesome because he kind of taught me what I needed to do, uh, had, had some success. And with that, um, ultimately got to, to go up and, and do some competition at the high school level in ninth grade, which at the time really was still junior high. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity like that for us, um, originally. Um, so that's, that's where it kind of, where it really started, I guess I could say is that ninth grade season. And, and getting some, some chances that I normally wouldn't have gotten uh, just because of the past work I'd done with, with Delmore. So you, you told us already you broke your leg your sophomore year, you said? Yep. Uh, were, you, were you still able to, to compete by that track season? Yep, I did. So uh, football, football season, I think it was the, the first player to second play of the first scrimmage of the year. So I went through two days, all that stuff. And then I think it was, you know, three weeks into the season, we had our first scrimmage and it was the first or second play, broke my leg, snapped my tibia and fibula, uh, just right in half. And it was kind of like, all right, now what? Um, Mm -hmm. I luckily had, had really good doctors, had a really good physical therapist and, um, was able to, to work through that. And, and I think just continuing to talk to Delmore, he, he just said, you know, do what you can, but don't do anything stupid. 
um, with that, don't push it too hard. Listen to your body. You know, mm-hmm. If anybody knows Tim Delmore, he's, he's just a, a guy filled with sage advice all yeah. the time. He's got, he's got the best advice for everything. Um, so that, that, that whole winter I was wor- working on just, you know, getting my strength back, um, and, and trying to get my running form back to normal, um, and not hurt myself at the same time. Um, uh, right afterwards, uh, I, I'd start running again and the track that we were running on indoor anyway at Red River was essentially just a concrete bait in, concrete track in the basement. And mm-hmm. after maybe half hour, 45 minutes of running on that, like it, you could just feel kind of that knot in my leg just started getting, starting to throb a little bit. It's like, I, I got to back off. So I could only do so much with that. Um, and that was really frustrating, but ultimately I think it, it, it allowed me to, to get to where I needed to be. Um, I did compete that season and I think I placed seventh or eighth at state in triple jump, um, that same season. So, so I was able to come back and, and push through it. Uh, probably didn't have as, as great of a season as I would have liked, but you know, with an injury like that, it could have been no more sports period too. So mm-hmm. I can't, I definitely can't complain. Yeah, no, that's so true. Especially when you're at a young age and like the development, you just don't want to mess anything up. So I'm glad yeah. you listened to coach Delmore. Cause he is, that man is wise. Yep. I mean, I wouldn't say like wise beyond his years, but this is his 44th year of coaching. So it's like, he's, <laughs> he's got some years. Yep. <laughs> when I first heard your story, it was on a zoom call last year with the, uh, 2020 Red River High School boys team and you were on the call basically because they were facing a lot of adversity with a canceled season and you yourself faced a lot of adversity in 1997. Now anybody in Grand Forks, Fargo, maybe some of our younger people wouldn't remember this but 97 huge flood in Grand Forks totally disrupted school, the track season. Just talk us through what that junior spring was like especially you're probably chomping at the bit now to get out and compete and then boom, huge natural disaster. Yeah. that it, it's such a weird, weird time because it's so unlike anything I've ever experienced otherwise. Um, so kind of leading up to that season, you know, that winter we just had a ton of snow and so kind of doing the same things that I did during, during my sophomore year, uh, not playing basketball. So, so doing a lot of plyo work, and, and a lot of indoor training and things like that. So, um, doing what I can and, and kind of seeing where I'm at. And, and I was really happy with where I was, uh, training wise and doing some kind of short approach work, things like that. I, I knew I was jumping far. Um, and then we, it comes to, to time to start competing and that just immediately takes a back seat to everything that's going on in town. Like you, it was just such a weird time, like I said, because as, as all that snow started to melt and all the water just started to collect in the river and the river just started going up, people knew, you know, it floods every year. But this one, you could, we could tell was different uh, just with how fast the, the water came up. And then there still being so much snow that hadn't melted yet. So we, we kind of started doing the sandbagging thing. And that just picked up more and more and more. And to the point where it was just, you know, we'll go to school today and, and, 
and, and do our school stuff. And then after that, we're not going to have practice today. We're going to go out to the sandbagging, uh, sandbagging operation and fill sandbags instead of going to practice because that's more important. And then it kind of evolved into, well, we need to do that again today and again today. And, uh, we are going to let kids out of school early to go do that again. And until it was almost just, just do what you have to do to try to save as many houses as you can. Um, people were getting loads of sand and just bags dumped at the end of their driveways. And I just remember, you know, you'd wake up in the morning and put on your, your grubby clothes to, to go out in the sandbag, just walk over to the river and just start. Didn't matter what house you, you wound up at. You just start at whatever house people were working at, finish up with that house, just move next door or, or two, two houses down or whatever, whoever is working, just start walking along the giant, uh, set of sandbags along the river until and help out people who can until it gets dark, you go home, you go to sleep, you wake up and do it again. So huh. it was, it was really a weird time. And I mean, we put in, put in a lot of work and I remember the morning that the, that the dikes finally broke and they evacuated us. I think we, we left and went out to the, to the air base at, I don't know, it's something like two or three in the morning. And I know we, I, I vaguely remember it because I was just exhausted. And I know we went out to the base and got into a gym and they had cots and stuff. And I just laid down and I went to sleep. And I think I woke up at about noon the next day and we're just like, all right, I guess we're heading out to grandma and grandpa's house uh, down in central Minnesota. And, and uh, I'm going to gonna evacuate to there and kind of ride it out and, and see what happens. And mm-hmm. at that point, I mean, really track was kind of the last thing on my mind. I think I had kind of a one pair of general purpose um, spikes with me and I don't think I even had training shoes at first. I think I had those, just some regular shoes, a few sets of clothes, things like that. So, mm-hmm. so we went down there and um, it was, it was actually a really, really neat experience because once I went down there, you know, I, I, I knew I wanted to, to be ready once things kind of got back to normal. I knew uh-huh. that it, it was a little bit different from COVID in that we knew that, that track meets were going to keep going because really Grand Forks was the only town that was that affected by it. Um, so ultimately it was, yep, we will get back to competitions. It'll look a little bit different, but they'll, they'll keep going on. So I have to figure out how to, how to stay in shape while I'm away here and then, and then bring that back when it is time to compete again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in, like I say, down in central Minnesota, uh, probably about 60 miles, 30, 60 miles, somewhere in there south of St. Cloud, um, in Cold Spring, Minnesota, and okay. actually got the chance to work out with the, the high school track team there at Ricori high school. Uh, I remember the first few days doing full workouts in just those spikes that I had, those kind of all purpose spikes <laughs> I didn't have any. So I'd warm up wearing those, I, you know, I'd do jumping drills in them. I'd do sprinting drills in them. And uh-huh. <laughs> that's what I had. So yeah. I did that for about the first week until I finally found some shoes that I, that I liked and that I could work out in and, and started getting a little bit back to normal. Um, yeah. But it, it was kind of a strange thing. So while I was there, they had a track meet up in Sartell where my family was from previously. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, hey, you, I mean, got a tr- chance to compete. You want to go up there? like, heck yeah, I've been waiting for this for, for how long. Um, so, you know, I definitely want to get a chance here to, to go after it. So we go up there. I don't have a uniform. Um, 
I just got the, this one pair of spikes. Uh, I got my, I got my training shoes now. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a plus. And, uh, it, it was, I think, uh, I don't remember the coach's name, but somehow my dad knew him from, from back when we, we lived there. So I was able to borrow a Sartell uniform as I was competing for Ricori or for a sort of for Ricori or with the Ricori guys. Anyway. Um, I remember being, being in 110 hurdles, we did triple jump, long jump and high jump. 110 hurdles was, was really, really interesting because it was me and I think two of the guys I had been, been training with at Ricori and then the rest were all Sartell guys. So they got this, this Sartell guy there. They got a guy they don't know wearing their uniform you know, in one of the first heats. And so it was just, just all around weird and talked to them all afterwards and kind of explained what was up yeah. and cool with it and, and all that. Um, got the chance to triple jump. Did, I did okay. I, I didn't do great, uh, but it, it was tough. I didn't have the right shoes. Didn't have uh, didn't have a, a real great, uh, chance to, to do some run throughs and things like that in, in preparation. Um, high jumped okay as well, but the, the really neat thing with high jump was it, it wound up being myself and one other guy from Sartell that were kind of going back and forth at the end. Mm-hmm. And afterwards I was just talking to him, you know, he's like, Hey, my name's Bill and you know, whatever. And, and I'm like, God, you just look really familiar. And it turned out that I used to hang out with him in elementary school when I lived there. <laughs> and so I go there and I high jump against him and it was, it was just all kinds of weird. Yeah. I don't know about you, Cam, but I have so many questions right now. Okay. <laughs> Let's number one, not even track related, but you, if you're living in COVID right now, you'd go to cold spring and your teachers would say, all right, log on to the zoom meeting. Yeah. But you did, you're not doing that in 1997. Did no. you do any schoolwork? Like, was there any of that going on? Nope. It was pretty much, I think it was like April, what, April 15th or 18th or something like that. And, you know, everybody just kind of left and then that was it. I mean, it, it, it was, it, it's, it's a, it's a little bit the same, but it's also really different, right? Because we were really the only community that was that drastically affected by it. Right. Mm-hmm. So everybody else kind of just went on like normal um, after the water went down. And for us really after the water went down, that's when the work really started because then it was, all right, we got to tear out everything from the basement. We got to clean all this stuff up. We got to, mm-hmm. we got to get rid of all these sandbags that we spent, you know, days and days putting in place. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of preparation up to the point where, where the, the dike broke and then a lot of work afterwards uh, to try to get things back to normal. Mm-hmm. And then did you ever get to compete in another track meet that season or was that one meet in central Minnesota? Was that it? Nope. But I, I did get to compete. And, and actually that it, it wound up with some of my, some of my most fun memories, I think uh, of track in high school anyway, um, as far as just being able to hang out with people, because we never knew who was going to show up to the next meet. You know, we, we kind of, it was, you know, Fargo South is having a meet on, on a Thursday while well, you got, you know, so-and-so coming in from, from, you know, South Fargo, you got someone coming in from Bismarck, someone coming in from Minnesota, someone coming in from, from Kandu, wherever they were. And you just hope you'd have enough guys there to compete um, and throw together a few relays. Um, But really it was just, you know, whoever could show up would, and we did the best we could at that point. Um, and, And that was true for the coaches as well. I think the coaches also had, had a lot of stuff going on for themselves 
know, whether it be, be at home or trying to coordinate uh, workouts for, for all the guys that, that weren't around. And, and again, this is 97. So this is a lot, or this is well before the age of, of a lot of access to the internet. Um, sure. It's out there, but, but people, most people didn't have email addresses. There wasn't, you know, a website for the, for the team where you could go on and, and look at the week's workouts and things like that. So right. it, it was, it was just a lot of, of trying to figure out how to keep things going um, as, as we rebuild from this. Um, ultimately, though we did, we did get in a lot of track meets um, and, and had a lot of fun with it too, because it was just like, well, we're going to put together a four by four. You got, you know, these two guys that normally run it, uh, you know, he runs, uh, he runs a 200 and then, uh, well, we need a shot putter. <laughs> we have, I mean, and, and, and God bless those guys did it and, and had a lot of fun doing it too. So mm-hmm. we didn't take it too serious, which, which is what I think really, really helped things out. Um, cause it was, it was some semblance of normalcy in a really strange time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did, I know we did do, we did get to go through and do a lot of those meets and towards the end, it was starting to get back to normal. Um, but just because of everything that happened in Grand Forks, I think it was the first year in, in quite a few years where the state meet wasn't there. Um, I remember they had the state meet up at, up in Minot, um, oh. at, at Minot state. And it was, I think it was the first track meet for most of us where we, where we actually stayed overnight. So that was, that was a really interesting time. Um, I don't think, I don't think we performed as well as we could have because of it. Uh, we had a lot of fun though. And, and I think, and we, and we did okay. So did especially considering year. Did you place in the triple jump at, as a junior? I did. I don't remember what place it was. I think it was third or fourth, somewhere in there, fifth, okay. something like that. So um, all throughout, all throughout high school, I was competing against, uh, there are three guys from Bismarck, uh, Brandon Shively, Rob Rensler, and then oh, one more, I can't remember his name, but going against those, those guys all the time. And, and that, that actually transferred over into college as well because Rob and Brandon both went to NDSU. So I competed mm-hmm. against them all the way through. Yeah, it's funny how you never forget those things. Like the guys, some of the guys that are your closest competitors end up being like, I don't know, you get to know them really well. You talk to them. You've seen them after college, eight years in a row jumping. It's, it's cool though. It's like maybe not necessarily friendships. Sometimes they are, but mm-hmm. friendships are just like companions that you make at the track. Yeah. And it, it was always fun with those guys too, especially in college. We'd go to these meets down South or, you know, wherever these national meets and things like that. And you got these, these three guys from North Dakota that are all competing in the triple jump and we'd go in there and we'd just crush some of these guys, all three of us. And it was really fun because we're the, we're kind of the sleepers out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finally take us to senior season of high school. Um, we're seeing a lot of kids right now that didn't get a junior season because of COVID coming out and lighting it up. Like Caleb Larson of Bismarck legacy has set two state records. He hadn't competed since he was a sophomore. Now he's a senior just going nuts on the track. Mm-hmm. You finally get a normal senior year, sophomore year, broken leg recovering junior year. You've got the flood, but now this is Mike Backus's time to shine. So Talk us through that track season. What it, I mean, it culminated in a state record, but what led up to that? Yeah. So I I'd say a lot of it was done prior to the season even starting. Right. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of followed the same, the same path as, as the previous two years where, you know, I'd play football in the, in the fall and then, and then get into my training mode in the, in the winter. And while I was doing that, like I, I did a lot of strength work. I did a lot of, a lot of sprint work and a lot of work on, on, uh, explosiveness, uh, just to try to try to get myself better and, and to where I needed to be. And, and, and working with Delmore too, he got me in, in a great mindset of, you know, not necessarily worrying about where, where I'm at with my personal best. He said, and this has always stuck with me and I find it to be so true in everything. And you, you measure your progress on your worst days, right? So if you're consistently better on your worst days, then you're, you're getting better overall. And that'll be reflected in your best days as well. And I saw even on those bad days, I was, I was jumping better and better and better to the point of we were doing some, some things, some drills inside. And with a short approach, I was right at the state record jumped um, inside. So mm-hmm. I, I basically came into the season kind of knowing that I've put in the work and that I've, I'm consistent enough, I'm jumping far enough and, and in, a, in a really good headspace to, to have a really successful season. Walk us through kind of the, I mean, at the state meet, the, the sequence leading up to uh, the, the big jump. Well, really it was, I think I, I had, uh, so we had, there's three jumps in the prelims, three jumps in finals. And I, I, I know I was over the record in my first jump. And I think I was over the record in four of my six jumps or something like that. Um, but, but as, as, as I got to the meet, you know, one of the things that, that Delmore does with, with some of the athletes is he says, you know, go over to, to Cushman, Cushman field the day before the, before the track meet, before the state meet. And there's a plaque about who Cliff Cushman was and kind of, kind of his thing. And he says, go over there, read that, think about it, and then get ready to compete. And, and I did that. And it, it's, it's just kind of a lot of reflection on, on the work that's been put in. And, and, and it just gets you in a really good headspace to, to be ready to compete and be ready to do your best. And so we did that. I talked to Delmore. You know, he, he is the master of, of keeping you loose. He is so good at doing that, regardless of what the conditions are, that it's, it's always been unbelievable to me that whenever he's around, I've always jumped well. And so he, he's kept me loose. I go through my whole warm up and, and things like that, measure out my steps. First jump, I think I was probably about, I don't know, probably about six inches behind the, the board because for jumping, for, for the horizontal jumps anyway, the, the plan that I always went with was get one in and then really go for a big one. So you know, like say you've got pre, three jumps in the prelims, three in the finals, make sure that you get those extra three jumps, you know, with your first, mm-hmm. your first couple. Um, so I did, you know, I warmed up, felt really good on the track, felt really fast. And I think the first jump, I uh, went out, jumped, and then they pulled out the metal tape measure. And I knew that that was good enough at that point. So then from there, it was just see how far I can go. Was that, was the meat in, back in Grand Forks that year or? Yep, it was. So I, I think that helped to having that, that little bit of home field advantage. Um, it was out, out at UND's Memorial Stadium, and I jumped there quite a few times. So, so kind of knowing my markers for that, where I need to be about on the track for my, my approaches, 
things like that. I, I was very comfortable jumping there. And I think that really helped. Mm-hmm. And rest in peace to Memorial stadium. Yep. Um, at what point did you know you were going to UND then? By the time you set the state record, was the plans already to pursue track and education at North Dakota? It was, I think it was probably two or three weeks before the state meet. I signed my, my letter of intent. And that was, that was, that was a fun, a really, a really good story. Cause I think, I think it was the day, the next day we had practice and, and uh, one of the high jumpers for, for UND was coming over and, and working with Delmore. Um, on some high jump stuff. And, and he had, he had talked to me a bunch of times, you know, just saying, Hey, it's a really, it's a really good program. It's a great place to be all this stuff. And, and as soon as I walked out on the field, he happened to be there and he just went nuts. Cause he, he knew it right away that I was coming. I don't know how, but he, he knew it. Um, so he was just super excited for me. Um, and, and, and really, it was, it was a combination of, of the academics and, and athletics there. But I, I kind of had, had my mind made up pretty early on um, that, that it was going to be UND because I was looking at uh, medicine or engineering, and both of them are, are outstanding there. Uh, ultimately, wound up going chemical engineering, and, uh, and yeah, it, it worked out really well for, for what I wanted to do with, with my post-track career uh, to, to go there and, and during my, my college career. One interesting thing, I remember this from that Zoom call last year, is being in Grand Forks, you had Delmore as a coach, obviously in high school, but he was also coaching the UND jumps at the time. So you pretty much got Coach Delmore for eight straight years. I did, yep. And and I'm eternally grateful to him for that because he put in so much time and so much effort uh, just in my development that – I, I, I just, I just, you know, I can't say enough about him that he, he just, he's such a good coach. He's, he's so good at getting people mentally ready um, mm-hmm. to compete and to do the best that they can do. And, and to, and like I say, to stay loose, even in these, these high intensity situations. So it, it's, it was just great to have him all the way through and, Anytime I'm up there, if I can, I get a chance to, to go visit him. Um, yeah, talk to him a couple times a year and gone hunting with him a few times uh, since, since college. And it's just been, it's been great uh, keeping that friendship going. I mean, one, that would be so illegal now to have your, your high school coach be your college coach. The D2 days were a little different. But, yeah, I mean, usually there's a big transition. Like a lot of the guests that we have, they talk about, oh, well, it took me a year or two to get my footing underneath me. But since you had the same coach, was there still a big transition or did your progress just carry over into your freshman year? I'd say my progress just carried over. He, like I say, he did such a good job of mentally preparing me for, to compete and, and, and not necessarily to compete at the high school level or the college level, just to compete in general. Like he, and, and I think that that really came out my senior year um, because at, at the time I, I in, on the East side of the state, there really wasn't a lot of competition for me. So it was more competition with myself. So it was just, you know, don't, don't get caught up in winning, make sure that you're doing the things that you need to do to progress because you want to, you want to peak at the right time. You want to, you want to perform well at the state meet. You'll, you won't have the problem getting to the state meet. So let's, let's concentrate on that. Um, try to develop your, your jumping abilities so that you can take that next step uh, as you develop strength and, and more speed. 
that you can continue to get better and better. Don't focus on, on the short-term wins uh, and sacrifice long-term gains. Um, so so he, kind of, he really did a good job of getting me ready to compete at any level. And then that just, just transferred in, into college pretty seamlessly because it was, it was more, it was more a competition against myself than, than anything, you know, how far, how far can I jump today? Not, not necessarily how far is everybody else jumping? What do I need to do to jump further than them? And I think that really helped. Yeah. Like what, what are kind of two, two things like two events or moments that stick out to you? Uh, in college, give us one that specifically re- relates to to competing, maybe with your team or, or on your own, and then one that's just kind of uh, a really really good memory you have, just you know, hanging out with friends and teammates. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of them, and uh, I mean the the ones that the, the ones comp- competition wise that that I can really remember are are becoming an all American. That, that was one big one. But even more than that was the first time that I jumped 50 feet as a triple jumper. I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a big barrier that's out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, even right now, I, I think about it, I can give myself goosebumps. It, it's, it, it was just, it was something that I had worked for for so long. And then when I finally did it, it, it was, it was a really big deal to me. And I, and I can, I, I did take the time to really take in the moment and, and, and because I did that, I think it's, it's always been a very, very strong emotional memory for me. Um, so there's, there's that one. Uh, and as far as hanging out with my teammates, oh man, there's, there's just so many of those, you know, whether it's bus rides home from, from Kansas or, you know, going to state meet or going to, to national meets, going to, to regionals or, or conference meets. Um, all those were, were exceptionally fun. Um, I think I, I got to say there's, there's probably two of them. Uh, one of them is somewhat competition related and that's, that's when, when you're able to, to be there for your teammates and, and be able to see them realize some of their, their major goals. Like I remember a couple of my, a couple of my friends or a couple of teammates that one of them was a long jumper. And the first time he had just a huge jump and it, it basically was a far enough jump, broke the school record and got him far enough as far as national qualification that he was going to get in. And that was the first time he had done that. So being there to be able to cheer for him and, and help him with his approaches and things, all, all, the, all the, the preparation for that was, was, was a really positive experience. Um, as well as uh, one, of my, one of my best friends still today, I was an 800 runner. I remember the first time he ran a sub 150 indoor and just, I think it was out down at the University of Minnesota and just, just yelling across the track, you know, because I knew he was going to be close to it. And then when he did do it, I mean, being able to see somebody realize their goals mm-hmm. is a pretty powerful thing. So yeah. that, that was really cool. Um, and then just the purely social aspect. One of the, the things I'll remember the most, I think, is after, God, I think it was my, it was either my, my sophomore or my junior year, uh, at our indoor national meet, we, everybody was done competing. It was a la- after the last day. And, uh, we went over and we met up with the NDSU team and just hung out with them in Boston, you know, at their hotel after the meet was over. And 
and, and it was, you know, it's kind of the, the group of guys and girls that, that are typically, you know, just butting heads because it's UND and DSU. But then at the same time, you know, you're, you're all, you're all competitors. You're, you're trying to do the best you can. You want, you kind of want them to succeed and, and, and you want, want your teammates to succeed as well. But in the end, it's all track. We were all from North Dakota and it was all just, just fun. It was, it was a great night. And we had, we had a really good time. That's awesome. Why do I feel like there's a story about that Boston track that Delmore told me? Was there something weird about your approach at that meet or like you were way back on the track or something? Yep. So, so yeah, I, I always had a really long approach. So I think my approach is typically around uh, 120 feet or so, 115 to 120 feet. And then plus the board usually at 40 feet. So you're 165 feet back, which is pretty far, especially Dang. for an indoor track. Um, but in Boston, they had a banked track. Um, so I was actually back up on the banked part of the track for where my, my, my starter spot would be. Uh-huh. And on top of that, they had a rail on the inside. And I, I don't, and, and this is, this is one where I, I will love Delmore dearly till the day I die because of it. I just said, I'm just going to warm up. You just handle this, figure out what's going on. Cause the meet officials came over and were saying, well, he can't start back there because that is an unfair advantage using the, the decline of the track to get, mm-hmm. get started. It's like, well, it's three feet that I'm going down and I have to make sure I don't hit the rail that's right there. But I just let them deal with it. And ultimately they, they let me start from where I wanted to start. And they actually pulled up the the rail in that section uh, so that I wouldn't have to worry about that. And it was all, all good. So, but I just having, having him out there and then uh, the, the girls coach, coach Dick Clay, uh, he was out there as well. And he is one of the foremost guys as far as all of the, the track and field rules go for USATF. So he knew exactly what I could and I couldn't do. And so between Delmore and Clay, they figured it all out, got the officials okay and all that stuff while I could just continue warming up and I didn't even have to think about it. Do you, do you remember uh, if like uh, Clay and Lars, Coach Don Larson at NDSU, were they like pretty friendly with one another? I, I think like, because Lars is super friendly and what I remember of coach Clay too, while he was still coaching, like really friendly old guy, just had a bunch of stories, but I, I just think it would be way more exciting if there was this great story of how they hated each other and they just had, would have beef. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think I can give that to you. I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've got kind of the same opinion of, of Lars as well too. Just, just a great old, you know, a great guy, a great coach. Um, I know he, he talked to me a few times about going to NDSU, but when I decided to go into UND, he didn't, didn't ever hold it against me or, mm-hmm. or, you know, think I was terrible because of it and things like that. So, I mean, he was just all around great guy. And, and that's the way Clay was too. And when you'd see those two guys talking with each other, they, they, they always seem to have a pretty good time and have their own inside jokes and things like that. So I don't know. I don't think you can coach for that long and have, have that uh, extended of a beef with each other. Um, I, I might be wrong, but I don't think there, there was anything there. So unfortunately I can't give you anything on that one. Yeah. I, I think that was a, it was a bit of a stretch, you know, just <laughs> totally wishful thinking. Yeah. Uh, Ryan and I both have just some, some pretty funny like stories of coach Larson, just some of his like mannerisms. 
Uh, do you have any uh, funny stories about either Coach Clay or Coach Delmore? Um, Coach, Coach Delmore, every year, it's, it's not, not a funny one. I, I guess it could be a little bit. But every year he would go through – before the first outdoor meet, he would bring in a duffel bag or a suitcase or something just full of crap. And he would just say, this is all the stuff that you're going to need for a, for an outdoor track meet. And he would have gloves in there and scarves and coats and extra pants, extra shoes. Um, he'd have on, uh, and boots, just everything you could <laughs> possibly imagine. And I, th- I don't remember what the, the, the dollar amount was, but there was always some some bet that that you would never hear him say that he was cold at an outdoor track meet, and I don't know anybody who ever collected on it because he always had extra extra stuff with that I know because I always I, I would forget stuff I'd forget gloves or whatever and I'd have to borrow them from him and you know kind of kind of come there with my tail between my legs yeah coach I forgot my gloves today can I borrow a pair of gloves <laughs> so that ha- that happened a lot. Yeah. So just kind of going through some of your accolades here. So you school got the school record in the triple jump at UND. You're also a member of their shuttle hurdle relay team. That's the record. <laughs> yes, 2000. I am. Okay. Yep. We, we, let's, that sounds like a good story. Can we hear about that one? So that I think it's, it, it may be run at the pen relays and the Drake relays. I think that's, those are the only places it, it may be run at a couple of the smaller ones, but I know those are the big events where or the big meets where it's run. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it is, is there are, there are four teams that, that run at a time and it's 110 hurdles. You've got one, it's all, it takes place all in the home stretch or right in front of the grandstand. And each team has two lanes. You've got a set of hurdles that go, go towards the finish line and then a second set of hurdles that come back towards the start line. And so you've got the person that starts at the normal spot. They go through up towards the finish line going over the hurdles. And then the second person starts at the finish line. Once the first person crosses, a, crosses the line to basically say, all right, you can go and starts going back the other way, doing the hurdles again. And so you do that four times and, you know, total combined time, like any relay is, is the best uh, or the winner, you know, the lowest total combined time. And did you do that at Drake? Yep. We did it at Drake. And uh, the reason that that one is, is kind of fun is just because it's really hard to find four guys that can do the 110 hurdles at a college meet that, that mm-hmm. are, that are relatively quick at it. Um, I, I was definitely the weak link on that team, but I, I could kind of do them. Um, the, the main, the big change, you know, between high school and college with that is you go from 39 inches to 42 inches for hurdle height, which you don't think is that big a deal. But man, when you start hitting every single hurdle, you, you kind of wish that, uh, that it would be back down at 39 inches. So, um, but that, that was really fun. Uh, the three other guys that, that did it with me, uh, just, just great guys too. Uh, got some, some great stories with them just in general, but wouldn't want to embarrass them on this. Mm. Man. Well, you didn't need to expose yourself as the weak link, but honesty is the best <laughs> policy. Oh, I definitely was. I'm not, I don't, I don't even feel ashamed of it though, because it was, so, it was a fun time, especially because like I say, you got to get four guys that are relatively good at it. And 
man, sometimes the fourth guy just is not good at it. And with some of those teams, it's just hilarious when, you know, they, they got, they got a couple of really good guys and a couple of kind of shaky guys and you see them hit every hurdle, go, you know, fall down, get back up, fall down again, you know, and, and make it through. It's just, it's a really fun relay to watch too. And it's, and if it's done really, if it's done well, it is really neat to watch that too, because of how fast some of those guys can go with it. So I think the last you, thing that I really Ryan, want to hear about, Oh, Cam, what's you're up? You're not going to, you're not going to tell him your shuttle hurdle relay story. You have one. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm actually that on the NDSU school record shuttle hurdle relay nice. team. All so right. like, you and I get to flex that over cam right now. So <laughs> zero yeah, hurdle relay, zero school records for me. But you know what? I was also the weak link on that team because there was three real hurdlers and then I was the decathlete. So I, I know what you mean. Ryan, you, you were also the state champ in the 110 hurdles, though. So that's not that big of a, a weak link. Hey, compared to the guys that I was going up against, I was the weak link. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I practiced hurdles maybe three times the week before the, the relay. Um, in my entire college career. So I, I was definitely the weak link. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound like you were athletic enough where you made it work. The, the last I, thing that I want to ask you about, Mike, is, you know, all these great accolades, but the All-American jump, you said that was a big moment for you. So I want to hear about it because finally you reach All-American status. You take fifth at the NCAA championships. Just really kind of like dive into that moment. It sounds like you were really good at being present for a lot of these. I want to hear from your perspective. What was it like? Yeah, that one was, was actually pretty gratifying. So the, I, I, I had the opportunity to go to a lot of national meets. Um, I think in my, in the four years I was there, I, I was at seven of the eight national meets. Um, and I was, I was this close so many times. I think, I think I had three, where I was the first one out from being an, from being an all American. So like, uh, I think indoor, it was for a while it was top six and I was seventh and outdoor was top eight and I was ninth for, for three of, of them. And then for a couple other ones, I think I was within the top two or the, the first two out. Um, so, so I was really close a bunch of times, but a lot of those, it was, it, it, it was, you know, kind of the hope, of, of being an all American, you know, if I, if, if I jump well, then I, then I have a chance, you know, versus the last time when I was there it was indoor my senior year. And I, w- I was extremely focused and so ready to, to perform well at that meet. Um, I, I kind of leading up to it. Uh, we had, we had our indoor conference meet uh, it was down in Mankato. And I remember that one pretty vividly too, because, the night before was like, I was just kind of going through, you know, going through my normal preparation and just thinking I'm, I'm going to win tomorrow and it's not even going to be that hard because I, I just felt really good and my head was in a really good spot. And I went and I jumped and I think I had a, a personal best by, you know, three or four inches or something like that. So mm-hmm. I was just, I was just, just functioning, highly functioning, you know, right where I wanted to be and carried that through into the, the national meet. And that's, sometimes that's a hard thing to do, right? When you're, 
when you're, you're so focused on, on one specific meet or on, on performing that you kind of get that little bit of burnout afterwards. And, and I was able to carry that all the way into the, into the national meet and, and keep that and ride that peak, I guess, that performance peak and went, went there. You know, kind of, like I said, we talked about had the, had the interesting warm up time um, with, uh, with all the, the questions on, you know, whether I could, could actually approach from where I wanted to and how that was going to affect things and, and all that stuff. But when I, when I, when I was up and starting to jump, I kind of, I kind of knew that that was going to be one. So I'd, I'd been jumping, jumping really well and really consistently too. So you know, kind of like I talked about before, you know, you try to get that first jump in and then really go after it after that. Um, I, I, you know, kept that same approach here. Uh, I think I, I jumped, man, I think it was like 50 feet, three inches or something like that. Just a little bit over 50 feet. Uh, my, one of my first two jumps and I was like, all right, I've got that one in. That one should be enough to keep me in the top eight. Shouldn't have a problem figuring that, that out now. Now I can really go after it. And, and I, I remember hitting one that probably would have been, I think it would have been right around 51-ish, a little bit over, but I scratched on it probably by about an inch, inch and a half. So, I mean, I, re- I really was pushing it and, and doing the best, I, the best jumping I could do at the time. Um, and then, you know, granted it didn't, didn't get the, the, the longest distance I could have, I mean, maybe it would have moved me up two spots or something like that. I, I don't know, but ultimately I, I do remember the point at which the, the eighth place guy jumped and it wasn't as far as mine. So I knew at that point, even if everybody else passes me, I will still be an all American. And that, th- that's, that, that was a pretty neat moment as well. And then, you know, after, after it was all said and done, being able to get up on the podium at a national meet is, is a pretty cool feeling, especially yeah, yeah. after, after all the work that went in, went into to trying to get there. So that, that was a really good feeling. Yeah. There, there's not many feelings better than, you know, finally, you know, achieving a goal that you, you set uh, for yourself to, to reach yeah. for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I, I think probably like the individual nature of track and field, uh, just, it makes it a, a little bit more like gratifying than, yeah. than maybe, you know, a team accolade, you know, even though those, those, those are great as well. Um, but it just, yeah, it's, it just, just means a little bit more to, to be up there, you know? It, yeah. And I think too, with like, with a, it is like say it's an individual sport, but it, it, it also is a team sport too. Cause we did, mm-hmm. I know I did have a couple of, a couple of the guys there that, that I've, I've stayed really close with, uh, were, were there with me. Um, and, and it's, it's a hard dynamic to describe to people who don't quite get it or who haven't been involved in, in a lot of other sports, but there's, you can, you can perform the way that, to the best of your abilities and you are competing against yourself and your capabilities and you can cheer for the guy next to you to, to do, you know, to do what he can do as well or the guys in the other events. And it doesn't, it doesn't take anything away from, from your performance and and your um, accomplishment in in a way that, that sometimes the, the team sports can, when you're competing for, 
for playing time or competing for, for positions on teams or, you know, things like that, you know, you know, who on or who's going to be on the better team, who's going to get, you know, the starting positions, things like that, where, where you're in direct competition with the guy next to you for playing time and exposure. Track is a little bit different from that. You can, you can cheer for guys who you normally would be competing against, still hope for them to do well. And at the same time, do well yourself. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you see it, especially in, in the jumps, uh, the throws and, and in the, like the multi events, uh, you, you, there's a lot of time just, you know, relaxing or not, not relaxing, but preparing, you know, waiting your turn uh, to have your next chance to compete. So there's a lot of time to converse and, and um, yeah, like you said, there, there's nothing wrong. Like, I mean, success breeds success. So you cheering for your competitor to do their best is trying is basically saying like, I want the bar to be set higher for me to chase you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so some people who, who don't understand might look at, you know, a jumper cheering on his other competitor as, as being soft or, you know, not, yep. you know, where's the competitive spirit, but yeah, that it's, yeah, it's, it really is, is a gr- one of the greatest things I think about, about track. And, and I think it, it does a lot to push you in your own performance as well. Right. Yeah. I know, I know I wouldn't have jumped as well, especially my senior year, without having the two guys from NDSU right there with me and, and constantly pushing me to get better because, because I knew that they were trying to get better as well. So having those guys out there and, and jumping well was, was a great motivator for me. And at the same time, at our meets, I mean, I'd, I'd talk to those guys probably more often than I'd talk to my own teammates just because they, they, knew, they knew what, what, each, other, what each of us were thinking we, we were constantly, you know, saying, Hey, watch out. We got wind gusts, you know, don't, you know, make sure that you, that you, that you get a legal one in here, you know, things like that. Just it, a lot of that really little stuff, you know, watch foot placement on the board um, tracks really fast today. So make sure you, you add an extra six inches to your approach and things like that. I mean, just, just little stuff to make sure that, that we all did as well as we could have. And, and I mean, that, you, 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 yeah, you get some people that, that are pretty hard on the, the team aspect of, thing, but it, of things, but it's just, it's, it's not necessarily needed. Yeah. Man, Mike, we just want to say thank you so much for, for joining us this evening. It's so great to hear just more of your story. Cause like I said, every spring at the state track <laughs> meet, it's like, I can even picture the guy's voice, but your state record holder in this event is Mike Backus of Grand Forks Red River, <laughs> jump of 47, seven and three quarters, set back in 1998. Like, I can hear it <laughs> as clear as day. So it's fun to finally put a face to the story and just get to hear you a little bit more. But are there any other stories or anything you want to share before we, we wrap things up? Um, and I, could, I could talk for hours and hours. And, and <laughs> I, I love going back and, and reminiscing, things like that. But I mean, I guess the one thing that, that a lot of people, a lot of people that are outside of the, the, the athletics world kind of attached to is, you know, wow, you're, you know, you're an all American, you're this record holder, you're things like that. And it's just like, you know what, those, those were really neat parts about my career, but one, it was, it was a small part of my life and the way that I approached it 
it, by the time I was done with it, I was able to move on to the next step, which I think is, is something that, that is, is really critical in, in kind of moving, moving your life on. So you're not constantly living in the past. And on top of that, the accomplishments were, were fun and, and the, the awards are, are neat, but all the stuff that comes back to me when I really think about my, my track days are almost, almost everything is, you know, hanging out with teammates or, or some of these other, you know, things that we would do, like our, a bunch of our, our college guys would, would get together once a year in the, uh, uh, up in the, the northern part of Minnesota, go on a camping trip, you know, the weekend after the 4th of July. And, you know, we, we, would, we did that every year for a bunch of years until people started having kids and moving far away. And it just couldn't happen anymore. But, I mean, th- those are the kind of things I remember. And, and a lot of those guys are, are still dear friends to me, you know, to this day. And, and you know, even anybody that's, that's involved in the track world, right, if, you know, they're, if they're, you know, you know, they come through town and, and say, Oh, Hey, I, you know, blew a tire. Can I hang out at your place tonight? And, you know, even if I didn't know him that well, heck yeah. You know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll hang out and mm-hmm. talk about the old times and things like that, whether it's high school or, or college. And, and it, it's just great to, to keep up with those guys and, and have those longer friendships. Yeah. 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 That is so great. I think Cam and I could probably say the exact same thing. Don't you think Cam? Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I was trying to remember uh, some races, how my season went, like my red shirt freshman year the other day, and I couldn't, I couldn't remember hardly anything. But let me tell you, I will never forget the time that our bus blew a tire three different times on the way down to Nebraska. <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. So. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's a story for another podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> Mike, we do really appreciate you hopping on and – Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. 